You're listening to episode 24 of the Vine Podcast. Have you ever wondered if your theme is holding you back? Maybe you aren't sure if you should use a free theme or a premium one or how to update your theme. In this episode, I'm going to break down what you should know about pre-made themes before choosing one, help you understand some of the tech behind themes, and hopefully give you confidence in the theme that you're using or choosing your next theme. You love the time you get to spend creating content on your blog and connecting with your audience, but building a brand and working on your website, that's where it can feel overwhelming. With all of the lists out there of everything that you should do, sometimes you just feel like giving up. But friends, there's a better way. When you spend time strategically thinking about your blog, you'll discover what is essential to build a successful and sustainable business and what's not. I'm your host, Madison Weatherill, a WordPress web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers. I'm here to help you think strategically about the brand you're building, connect with your ideal audience, and ultimately convert them into raving fans, the ones who actually make your recipes, interact with you, and make this whole food blogging journey worth it. It's time to design a business you love and remember why you started a blog in the first place. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to cover a few housekeeping things before we dive in. Now, if you're new to this podcast, I just want to welcome you and say that I am so glad that you are here to learn about building a strategic and sustainable food blog. And even if you're not a food blogger, but you're listening, I hope you will take away some very valuable tips from every episode. My name is Madison Weatherill, and I am the web designer and branding strategist behind Grace and Vine Studios, a studio built for food bloggers just like you. If you are considering a rebrand or website redesign this year, I would love to chat with you about how we can work together. You can always find out more information about my services by visiting graceandvinestudios.com or sending me an email at hello at graceandvinestudios.com. I am super excited for the next handful of episodes. Last week, I was traveling to Virginia and I had four hours on a plane to work on the next few months of content for this podcast. And it's pretty rare that I travel at all these days, let alone without my kids. So it was the perfect time to be unplugged and work on writing these episodes. I just can't wait for you to hear these strategies and to start implementing them onto your blog. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be diving into the specific pages and sections of your food blog and giving you tips on how to strategically design your food blog to connect more with your audience and start seeing growth. But before we dig into specific pages, like your homepage or your recipe index, it's really important for us to first talk about themes. Now, I would venture to say that the success of your food blog depends a lot on the theme that you're using. That's a pretty bold statement, but I have seen many food blogs that are not seeing growth because of poorly designed or slow themes or themes that they simply can't make changes to. If you've had your food blog for even longer than one year, there's a pretty good chance that the standards of food blogging have significantly changed since you started using your first theme. Now that means that your theme may not even be up to the standards of what Google wants or what your users want. I think back to when I first started blogging and how different blogs were back then. It was pretty much unheard of to have a blog that was more pages than your homepage, and so it was always just the latest posts, feed, your about page, and maybe a contact page. There weren't really recipe indexes back then. People didn't really navigate or specifically design category pages, and there certainly weren't cool features like recipe filtering or recipe at a glance at the top of blog posts. As blog design has evolved, so have pre-made themes that you can purchase. This is awesome because it gives those of you who can't afford a custom website or who aren't ready for one the chance to still have a beautiful and highly functional website. 
but there are also a lot of downsides to pre-made themes. My goal for this episode is not necessarily to convince you that you need to spend money to get a new theme or hire me to install a new theme for you, or even that you have to go the custom route with your website. My goal for this episode is to really break down what is important to know about pre-made themes and to help you make the best choice of which theme to use or hopefully give you confidence that your theme is a good theme and that it's already doing a lot of these things for you. Okay, now that we have that abnormally long intro out of the way, let's dig into this episode all about themes. So our first point of conversation is why does a good theme matter in the first place? I already mentioned that a good theme can really be the key to having a user-friendly and successful food blog, or it can be something that holds you back from growth. Now, at the end of the day, hard work, great content, and following best practices is what is going to help your blog grow. But there are so many ways that a theme can hold you back. A good theme is important because it allows your website to grow with you or for your food blog to grow into your theme. A bad theme, on the other hand, will limit you from changing your website to keep up with best practices or make it difficult for you to improve your site speed or user experience to customize your website's look and feel without requiring custom coding or hiring a developer. So here is just a brief list of some common problems that I see with pre-made themes. They can sometimes weigh down your site load time. Some themes only work with their built-in page builders. Some themes can only be customized by using page builders, and there isn't a lot of customization apart from that. Some themes have tons of page templates, functionality, and options within the theme, and I'll get to why that's a problem later. Some themes have a lack of ability to change things without hiring someone who has advanced custom coding knowledge. Some leave behind code if you remove the theme or change it, and some themes these days aren't Gutenberg compatible. So I want to first explain what a theme does versus what a plugin or a framework might do. Something that is really commonly misunderstood is how frameworks like Genesis and themes and plugins all work together. Now, as a web designer, I exclusively work on the Genesis framework, which I'll explain in a little bit what that means. But within that framework, there are probably thousands of Genesis themes. On top of that, there are probably millions of plugins at this point. These three work together to create your website and the experience that someone has on your website, but they are each very different in what they do and how they operate. I always like to think of how these three work together by thinking about a car. Now, I'm not going to claim to know a lot about cars at all. So if that's you, this analogy should still make sense to you. If you imagine that your entire website is a car, then WordPress is the shell or the body of the car. Genesis is the engine of that car, and it's what helps the car run and gives it most of its power or functionality in terms of the website. The theme is the parts of the car that make it unique. If you think about two different car brands and what might make them different, the theme of your website does most of that. It's going to be things like the paint color of the car, the type of interior material that it has, what the dashboard might look like, the light design, things like that. Plugins are the aftermarket parts that you can add onto a car to give it extra functionality or a very specific look. So what is the Genesis framework? Genesis essentially gives themes their functionality and power, and the reason that it's a framework and not a theme is that it leaves out a lot of the design features that a theme has, and it really just focuses on the power running the site. It gives structure to a lot of the standard page templates like the homepage and the categories, a single blog post, things like that. Genesis also by default has many widget areas, though a lot of themes might have additional widget areas. 
The Genesis child theme styles specific widgets, fonts, colors, and it styles specific plugins that might be used on the site. It can also have special page templates like a recipe index or a landing page. There are a lot of benefits to using Genesis. The first is that the core of Genesis gets updated, not your individual theme, generally speaking. So this means that your site can remain up to date with what is the standard for the industry without losing the customizations that you might have made to your child theme, like changing your fonts or your colors. Another benefit to Genesis is that it allows you to potentially work with many different designers or developers since it is a widely used framework. It is a bit of an industry standard and there are some good reasons for that. Now, I've worked on some non-Genesis sites before and I have ended up having to try so many different lines of code and having to fight with a theme to get it to work. With Genesis, there are countless tutorials out there to learn, and I've even had friends and clients who have been able to teach themselves a lot of the code needed to make their own updates. I am always all about empowering my clients to handle as much of the design and coding for their site as they want to, and if it's something that you can learn, I'm all about empowering you to do that. But if tech isn't your thing, having a Genesis child theme will make it much easier for you to find a developer who can help. So what is the point of plugins? There are many things that plugins can do that could be coded directly into your theme, but this can make it a little bit more difficult to update things in the future versus relying on a plugin developer to maintain those updates for you. So the combination of WordPress plus Genesis plus your child theme and plugins is what makes your website your website. You could almost guarantee that if you lined up a bunch of different food bloggers and looked at their plugins, you would have at least one that was different, if not their child theme or the framework. So how do you know if it's time for a new theme? I get this question asked fairly often when I have a prospective client who comes to me and they're asking if they need to switch themes. So here are a few questions that you can ask yourself to determine if your food blog may need a new theme. And I'm just going to run through these pretty quickly. Has your theme been updated in the last three years? This can mean a new theme install or that the theme developer has sent out an update. Can you make changes to parts of your website, like your homepage or your sidebar? Are you afraid to make any updates to your theme, even if one is available, meaning that you probably haven't updated your theme in a while? Your site speed is slow and you can't seem to improve it by optimizing your images or using a plugin like WP Rocket. Your theme has tons of extra features, page templates, or functionality that you're not using. These theme extras always sound great in theory, but remember that every feature or function that your website has has to be coded into the theme, so that can definitely have impacts on site speed. So if you answered yes to any of the last four questions or no to the first one about whether it's been updated recently, then there's a good chance that it might be time for a new theme. And I want to make a bit of a longer note about the site speed real quick. Site speed is a really tricky thing because there are so many parts of optimizing your site speed. But if you have done work on your site speed or you've hired someone to work on your site speed and you're still finding that your site is really slow, your theme could be a culprit. Your hosting company can also be another place to look. Especially if you've optimized your images or you're using a plugin like WP Rocket, you can also do a speed test on the original theme demo, which will give you a really good indication of whether the theme out of the box is a fast loading theme. Now you have to remember that you're also adding all of your content and hundreds or not, if not thousands of images onto that theme. But if out of the box, the theme is slow to begin with, it's going to be really difficult for you to improve that. So what should you look for in a new theme? Aside from looking for a Genesis child theme, 
I would pay attention to a few key areas of the theme demo. When you're looking at a theme demo, remember that the look and feel, meaning the colors and the fonts, can really easily be changed on most good themes. But things like the layout of the navigation menu, the size of the header image, specific styles of things like widget areas, sidebars, are all things that are likely built into the theme. And depending on your tech knowledge or your coding ability, you may be able to change these things easily. But these are areas where generally it's going to be a little bit more difficult to change. Here are some things that I want you to look for. Themes that have been updated in the last one to two years at the most. Older themes have likely not been updated to use new features like Gutenberg or been adjusted for SEO best practices. It's just not worth the headache if it's not a relatively new theme. If the theme itself hasn't been updated, look for other themes by that developer to see if those have been updated and maybe they're going to push an update out for these other themes soon. Look at the functionality of the site. Does it have the features that you're looking for? If you're looking for a recipe index template, look for a theme that has a page template for that. By the way, I'm going to be working on an episode in a few weeks that will show you some different ways that you can create a recipe index, some of which don't even require that page template. So if you love your theme, but it doesn't have the recipe index page template, that's totally okay. I wouldn't say that that in and of itself is a reason to switch themes. Pay attention to the ease of use. Is it easy to customize colors, fonts, widget areas, things like that? It should be pretty clear based on the documentation of the theme. Are there tutorials for how to do those things? Does it say directly on the sales page for the theme that these are customizable parts of the theme? Is the theme quick loading and lean? When you're searching for a theme, run a speed test on the theme demo. The content here is so thin to begin with that it really should load quickly. And if it doesn't, it probably will load even slower on your site with all of your content. Now, once again, does the theme have lots of extra features, page templates, widget spaces, etc., that come with the theme? If the theme demo shows that there are 20 different ways that you can customize your home page layout, it may be a little bit too robust and it might be a slower interface. Documentation. Does this theme have documentation that show that the developers are working on active support channels and that there's a lot of resources out there about how to use the theme? Another tip is to look for a showcase of people using that theme. Does every single one of them look the same or do the looks vary? This is going to give you a clue into how easy they are to customize. You can ask friends or check Facebook groups to see what themes people are recommending and which themes people are steering clear of. I will also leave a link in the show notes to an older blog post that I wrote last year where I talked about how to choose a good WordPress theme where I make some specific recommendations of companies that I have worked with and that I recommend to my clients. Now I have to make a disclaimer every time that I talk about frameworks, themes, and plugins. It is so important to keep these up to date. When you have a theme or a plugin that is not up to date, it creates a really easy way for hackers to break into your site. When an update shows on your dashboard, please don't ignore it for very long. With big core updates to Genesis or WordPress, it's usually best to wait a few days and make sure that you don't hear anything in your food blogger Facebook groups that the update is going to break something with your site. You can also check the documentation of the update to see if it's a security update, meaning that they found a vulnerability within the theme or plugin that they are pushing out an update to fix, or if it's just a simple styling update. The styling updates are the ones that you can wait a little bit longer on, but I wouldn't wait too long for those. So where should you look for a new theme? 
Studio Press is the developer and owner of Genesis, so you can find most, if not all, of the Genesis Child themes on their website, including third-party themes, meaning the ones that are not designed by Studio Press specifically, but are within the Genesis framework. Two of my favorite companies to get themes from are Feast Design and Restored 316. Another common frequently asked question that I get is around how installing a theme works. Now, I do around two to three theme installations every month, and I almost have to explain this every time. A lot of people seem to think that your content gets moved to the theme, but it's actually the other way around. The theme gets applied on top of your content. And if you're totally overwhelmed with the idea of picking a new theme and installing it, definitely reach out. Like I said, I do two to three installations every month, and I would be happy to work with you to simplify this process. And I will put a link in the show notes where you can learn more about getting support in setting up a new theme for your blog. If you have any lingering questions about themes, please reach out and let me know because I really tried to pack this episode full of everything that I could think of when it comes to themes. I hope this episode helped you to see if you need a new theme or it gave you the steps to find your next theme for your food blog. Or even better, maybe I just showed you that you have a great theme and that it's doing what it should do for you. I'm so excited for the next few episodes as I'm really going to dig into the different pages of your website and how to be more strategic in designing those. Until then, talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.